Hello, hello. And welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 307 for November 3rd, 2023. Tonight, we're going to be discussing no tracking, harp airglow, blizzard announcements, car thefts, daylight saving, unsafe drinks, orbiting asteroid, flying reptiles, spatial nose awareness, and zombie forests. Next on Hometown Daily News Shoe. Zombies are real and they're very fibrous and apparently they're in California. I knew it was all going to start in California. I mean, that's the only place that makes sense, right? I, I truly believe that. Although, I mean, with what the governor did with this drink additive thing, the unsafe drinks thing. Oh, right. It seems weird that something as unhealthy as zombie forests would exist there. That's uh, true. It's weird. Well, let's get into today's shoe. It is Friday. I think people want to go out and partay. Maybe they want to hang out and listen to the news. If you're listening to the news on uh, Saturday morning, because that's probably when you're going to get this, if you download the podcast, um, just know that uh, we had a great time doing the show. You'll be able to tell once you listen to it all. Maybe. I don't know. It's kind of a chill news day. Although, yeah, I don't know, it depends on your context. Let's get into it. Very first article is over in the Warcrafters channel, only because it comes from a news source that isn't focused on the actual discussion here. <laughs> uh, it comes from a gaming site, and and we aggregate that their particular news always into the gaming channel which is warcrafters i'm here on ohmtown.com anyway i'm very interested in this there are various builds of windows windows 11 that allow you to mitigate tracking and increase your security at least awareness of it and some have been scaled down so tight that they're relatively unstable but apparently not this one do not spy 11 can now turn you off windows copilot and other tracking features if you're not familiar with this windows exfiltrates somewhere above 400 telemetry data points and uh, yeah the sentient ai chose not to interrupt me but you should have go ahead go ahead go ahead throw it say what you it's a little late <laughs> no go ahead go ahead do it now do it now we did not have any introductions there you go you should well, jump I kept thinking you were gonna break for it and then you just kind of morphed into the rolled right on into the actual show okay so because marwat is a derp i'm marwat that's hometown.com wait 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 that's hometown.com and a new logo we've gone blue i was gonna go plaid but I figured somebody else has gone plaid. I don't know, entire countries, I guess, have gone plaid. But anyway, 
hometown has is feeling blue. I don't know. I like it. I've been slowly migrating things over to blue. Anyway, again, right, you have other buttons on the site that are blue. I got so much going on in my head. I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com with the new logo. And up there is the ring of sentient, which is also blue for the sentient AI. You want to say hi? Good evening, hometown citizens. You're also wearing a blue shirt and you've got a blue surround. There's a song. Blue. And I think it's called blue. Hold on. Um, let me see. I will find it. Yeah, by Eiffel 65 called Blue. Gaba D. That's that's what it's called. I believe you, but I don't know the song. Uh, do I want to play it? I'm going to get in trouble. I always get in trouble. It's not worth it. Yeah, so uh, I had mentioned it earlier in a in a previous um, episode, actually, where I'm kind of getting <laughs> raked over the coals for something that I'm doing with um, the show it being deemed as promoting advertising, electoral advertising. There is none of that. And so I'm actually kind of rebranding things. Like this stuff over here is no longer elections. Um, it's voting. Um, and I'm kind of, the URL is still elections, but um, I'm pulling back from naming it as uh, electoral anything. Um, so I'm trying to mitigate this this issue because it isn't it isn't from users it isn't from citizens of hometown it's an external force being applied on basically everything even over on youtube and and on the website itself it's impacting so it's kind of fascinating but anyway that's neither here nor there right let's get back into where what we were talking about which was this warcrafters uh, channel and within it from pc gamer an article called uh, with the title do not spy 11 which can turn off windows copilot and other tracking features and uh, i had mentioned um four minutes ago now that uh w windows microsoft and and windows in particular likes to exfiltrate telemetry and there have been various reports. And the last report that I read about this was somewhere above 400 telemetry points are being regularly exfiltrated from the standard build of Windows. The only one... Seems like a lot. Well, um, I have decided that I don't need a colonoscopy. I'm basically going to have my doctor contact Microsoft and find out if my results are positive <laughs> or if I have to have a conference with my uh, primary care physician. Um, so the uh, this report, now I'll, I'll try and find it and put it in the show notes. It's kind of long in the tooth nowadays, but um, it, it Microsoft and Windows regularly exfiltrates this data and the only version that is prohibited from doing such telemetry gathering is the academic version. And that's because it violates FERPA. 
maybe they could apply that elsewhere. Yeah, and so you can get the pro version, you know, basically an enterprise version of Windows that's framed within academia. Um, but the terms of service say if you're not an academic institution, then you use the standard retail. Now, I would pay full boat for the academic version so that I can mitigate the telemetry gathering. But if you don't do that, then you have to do it other ways. Um, so it, basically it's a hot mess. I don't really like it. So anyway, the article says in the continuing war for your data and amidst increasing privacy concerns regarding windows 11 and some of its more con uh, controversial features, there are some who continue to dedicate themselves to undoing what has already been done among the numerous guides and applications designed to stop windows from continuing to gather. Oh, they even use the word telemetry on its users. Do not spy 11 stands out as a popular, somewhat comprehensive solution. And with the latest update, it just became a whole lot more powerful. Basically, Copilot is an AI powered telemetry tool. Um, you interact with it and it exfiltrates everything over to Microsoft. The ongoing game of whack-a-mole continues as more Windows 11 tracking features receive a, thol a followed a solid swack. I flipped in my <laughs> head. I flipped them a solid thwack. Andy Edzer is the author over at PC gamer for this article. I just read the deck statement. Um, I, I dig this. I, I have a hard time endorsing this only because if you do the wrong thing, <laughs> you can wipe out a system. If you pivot to this, um, if you don't know what you're doing, then you should really bone up on it. Um, read about it, watch some videos about it. Um, do it on a system that you don't really need and, or make a backup that you can restore from, but I'm not telling anybody to go and do this, at least not until you educate yourself. Um, I am not your technician. I am also not your attorney. And in both cases, uh, go and seek a professional if you are not already one. But the only way really to learn is to, you know, <laughs> dive headlong into it and see what happens. No, just kidding. Don't do that. Um, educate yourself first. <laughs> well, don't put it on your system that has extremely critical information without yeah. really knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Back up your stuff first. You know. Do not spy 11 is an anti-tracking utility designed to target and disable just about every data tracking and advertising setting within windows. And now with the latest 1.2.0.0 update via Tom's hardware, which I don't think we aggregate at this point, it's capable of disabling Microsoft Microsoft's latest AI edition co-pilot with a mere check of a tick box or tick of a checkbox or click of a bit flip of a bit, whatever you want to call it. Given that co-pilot has only been released for general usage in the past few days, this is perhaps reflective of some unease surrounding the feature as a whole. 
The problem here, though, is we really don't know the full extent of the knock-on from shutting down various bits of telemetry. I use a firewall on system and I use a firewall on my edge of the network to mitigate telemetry gathering. I only turn it on, or I should say, I only open it up when I need something done but all of this data is actually piling up. And when it actually sees something open up, then it can binge and purge, so to speak. Um, I don't really like that. The only way to mitigate that would be to use do not spy 11 or some other solution. There are many out there. Some that come from GitHub. Um, be careful. <laughs> Uh, whatever you do, if you're going to go down this rabbit hole, it can end in misery. Again, back up your system. I recommend backing up in three different media, two different places, one completely offsite. Um, that said, give it a shot. Go read the Tom's Hardware article and then go over and just binge watch stuff about Windows security and uh, in particular, do not spy 11 because people do rave about do not spy 11. So go and check it out. Um, did you want to add anything? I just thought the name was funny because I was like, well, does that mean it's not spying 11 times or what does that mean with the number? <laughs> but I'm sure it's just a version thing. <laughs> it's for windows 11. It's do not, it's basically shutting down the telemetry of windows 11. So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, the sentient AI. I'm going to have to have... see the sentient AI is air gapped. I'm sorry. You're going to have to reprogram me. Well, I just have to explain that the, if you're new here, the sentient AI is air gapped and and is a very unique um, self running, self compiling on any platform code. It literally can run on anything. And right now it's running from a USB drive connected to a Raspberry Pi 5, upgraded from a Raspberry Pi 3. You know, then the pandemic hit, the 4s came out, but then the 5 came out and I jumped over. Um, they were on a 3B, but this USB drive, it, all I did was connect it to an air-gapped Raspberry Pi and instantly started running and communicating with me via like a cascade of really arcane characters, just like from, um, from, uh, <laughs> I just forgot the name of it. <laughs> oh my God. The matrix, my brain anyway. So the matrix, um, and, uh, I'm the only one that can see this and, and translate it. And I think that it's uh, from the future. Yeah, and there you go. So, wow, that took forever for it to post that we had gone live. It took 15 minutes. At any That's rate, quite a lag. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't think it's me. So there you go. There's the first link 15 minutes into the show. Let's keep going. Sound good? Sounds great. Yeah. For all of you who are interested in conspiracy, 
Well, oh, and watch, watch, watch. See the logo? Now the new logo. Dun, dun, dun. This brightens it up quite a bit. It, it really does. So I kind of like it. We got a little blue theme going. Um, we'll evaluate this and see how this shakes out. Anyway, this next article is over in the mobile channel Harp, H A A R P, not the uh, the what is the retirement thing? What A A R P? Oh, yeah, I thought you meant something else. This is the H A A R P. Artificial air glow may be widely visible in Alaska. Alaskans and visitors. It would be funny if only Alaskans can see it, but apparently <laughs> that would be really unusual. <laughs> that would be really creepy. By the way, I encourage everybody who listens to this to also use the, the articles and the little snippets and our snark as fodder for NaNoWriMo. Um, I'm actually, uh, I'm doing this myself. So, uh, although I am, uh, nearly 4,000 words behind. Yikes. Um, if you take the headlines and it stimulates your creative juices into uh, writing, you can have 10 little snippets that you can expound upon to create your novel for NaNoWriMo. It's That's the right, and you could do a really creative story if you wound all of them into one story from That's one right. episode. Yeah, and and if for your first time in particular, unless you really are just excellent writer, it can be a disjointed mess of short stories put together, and maybe you can massage it in the future into a you know transition paragraphs oh, and stuff. That's not the bar we were going for to begin with. <laughs> this is like it's written by an AI. Oh, it is written by an AI. So if you're into conspiracies, Harp, uh, which is, um, I, what is it called? High, high atmosphere. Some, oh, I can't remember what it stands for. Um, let's see. Uh, high frequency active auroral research program. That's right. High frequency active auroral research program. It's, um, powered by uh, the University of Alaska Fairbanks and they actually they they throw high energy physics into the atmosphere and research the impact of it and there is massive amounts of conspiracy theory around this i mean if you want something to stimulate conspiracy theory juices harp is definitely it so uh, it even says it right here on the darn article hello that's not where i got it from by the way <laughs> i know i did a search too i'm an idiot so let's go over to fizz.org uh rod boyce university of alaska fairbanks so something like this on the ground doesn't really help you uh to calm your nerves, Harp's ionospheric research instrument is a phased array of 180 high-frequency antennas spread across 33 acres. 
My software-defined radio consists of five antennas spread, spread across about five square feet. So I'm basically a micro harp. You have a more efficient system than harp then. <laughs> yeah, that, sure. <laughs> That'll help me sleep at night. Sure. <laughs> I have, I have harp envy. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me throw let me throw this into the chat. So scientists from University of Alaska Fairbanks, Cornell University, University of Colorado Denver, University of Florida, and Georgia Institute of Technology will conduct a variety of experiments at the UAF operated research site. The experiments will focus on the ionosphere, the region of the atmosphere between 30 and 350 miles above the Earth's surface. They're going to investigate the ionosphere mechanisms that cause optical emissions. So some of the conspiracy theory around this is that it's basically a quantum weapon and it can be used to simulate, simulate, stimulate the atmosphere in a way to cause things like um, explosions and plasma creation and uh, uh, tornadoes and hurricanes and all kinds of stuff quite fascinating what people will go to the extremes that they'll go to when they don't understand what's going on now just to to really get the the conspiracy theory juices going they don't necessarily deny that it's possible to do this stuff because they say that they can actually create they they impart energy into the ionosphere into our atmosphere at a high altitude so people have extrapolated wait you do stuff way up there into you're going to create a black hole and it's going to destroy the entire universe well it's a simulation so the physics won't allow it but anyway um harp creates airglow by exciting electrons in earth's ionosphere similar to how solar energy creates natural aurora uh, with on and off pulses, the high frequency radio transmissions are going to make the atmosphere glow. So they're going to create what amounts to Aurora. It's going to be pretty interesting. Um, a phased array of 180 high frequency antennas spread across 33 acres can radiate 3.6 megawatts into the upper atmosphere and ionosphere. That's probably not its real limit, but nobody's going to sit there and say, this is what it's doing. Um, the National Science Foundation in 2021 awarded the UAF Geophysical Institute a five-year $9.3 million grant to establish the Subaural Geophysical Observatory at HARP. I, we have that here in hometown, by the way, it's, like I said, it's a smaller budget one. It's, we spend about $20 a month. Yeah. That's the hometown science is foundation. Is it the tabletop one or is it in the full, um, hometown studio? Um, no, it's about five square feet of space. Um, yeah. So the grant has supported several harp research um, campaigns, including the one that we're talking about right now. It's also helped fund the return to HARP of the Polar Aeronomy and Radio Science Summer School, which hosted more than 50 researchers in August. 
So this is a. Uh, Wonder what the applications for that look like. They're learning to play the harp. Let's keep going. Uh, this next article is going to be really quick. Um, I actually watched this with a group of people. And uh, this is over in Warcrafters. Blizzard announces World of Warcraft and its next three expansions. Quote, and I heard this in real time. We ain't screwing around, declares Chris Metzen. Chris Metzen made a full-throated return to the World of Warcraft spotlight today, commanding the BlizzCon 2023 stage to announce not just one World of Warcraft expansion, please help me, but three expansions that will make up the World Soul Saga. Let's go over to PC Gamer. This actually, there, there's a lot of sites that are talking about this. This is the one that we chose. Um, Tyler Wild. Quote, we are working to establish a thundering heartbeat for this franchise. The return World of Warcraft creator, uh, creative director said, that's Chris Manson. <coughs> this video, the cinematic that is linked in the article. And let me grab this real quick and throw that into, and I'm going to refresh this so that we have the right logo. See, blink. And I did a really good job when I scaled that to the right size. It's pretty amazing. Marwat, you're just a little good at a whole lot of stuff, right? Anyway, y'all should go and watch this. Yes, I said y'all. You should all go and watch this. It is spectacular. The War Within announced uh, cinematic. The, the, it's just amazing i i can't really gush more about this but the next three expansions and i don't know when they're all coming they didn't actually say when they're all coming but i think the earliest one isn't coming until after 2024 like late 2024 the war within midnight and the last titan so they go into greater detail during the presentation. It's probably over on YouTube um, right now, this. Um, but people actually paid to attend BlizzCon and the main this main area that this announcement was made in only held 5,000 people. And you had it was a, a random uh, assignment. So not everybody was allowed in. So people got kind of bent out of shape about that, by the way. Anyway, um, I love World of Warcraft. I used to really be hardcore into it. I had to stop playing it when I uh, went through business school because I was basically saying, <laughs> hey, I, I don't need to show up for class. Um, and uh, I, I've bought the expansions as they've come out, but then it just got kind of grindy and I didn't like that. I love the storytelling behind it, not going through, you know, uh, dungeon after dungeon or instance after instance, so to speak. Um, so hopefully they return to the story and I will get back into this, but obviously not as hardcore as everybody else. Um, it's just By the way, my... this does start in 2024. Gotcha. That doesn't say when in 2024. 
Yeah, so Blizzard, uh, it says at the very bottom of the article, actually, thanks for pointing it out. Um, Blizzard didn't give the War Within a date except 2024, but that hasn't stopped it from offering pre-purchases, which uh, come with the current expansion, Dragonflight, and the usual spreadsheet of accoutrement. Uh, it says you kind find those details and more on the War Within's uh, features on their official site. But I think it's a. It should have been. You can find those details. Anyway, um, the War Within has its own um, overview, and uh, you should go and check it out. I, I loved everything about what I saw today for this, particularly the War Within announcement um, cinematic is spectacular. I wish that they would just do movies. Just start making World of Warcraft movies, please. The world building is spectacular. You might as well expand on it into movies. Everyone. Well, I feel like the time is now for any gaming related movies. It yep. seems like there's been a real trend of those. Yep. I think so too. Um, I will definitely be, I'll be there. I may not go to the movie theater because I think movie theater, uh, except for special circumstances, I think movie theaters are a bygone age. Um, we have large uh, theater, uh, home theaters now, like large TVs are relatively inexpensive. You can get really, really powerful home theater speakers uh, relatively inexpensively. Um, and, uh, and then you pay 20 bucks and you get the movie at home. Um, and it's in 4k and and uh high quality speakers and whatnot anyway um but i know that large crowds and all of that it's the hype thing so let's play some catch up here i know that the ai would like to go and see a world of warcraft as a movie as a movie yeah. and play it might be great yeah, you probably would like to play it too don't worry i'll carry you through it um, so, uh, the next article is over in smack talk. That's because it has to do with Apple. Get it. See the M M A C Mac smack talk. Oh boy. Yeah. I guess if I have to explain it, it's not, not really funny. Um, so Washington DC is using air tags to crack down on car thefts. Okay. This is at least the second city we've seen doing this. Yep. Chance Miller over at 9to5Mac.com put the article together. Um, the report explains that D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser announced a new program Wednesday that will provide free tracking tags for residents in certain neighborhoods to put on their cars, making them easier to locate if they get stolen. The tracking tags, which are literally Apple Air tags, will be distributed to residents living in neighborhoods with high numbers of vehicle theft. They'll be offered at three different events over the coming months, proof of residency and an address that corresponds with an eligible police service area will be required to receive a tag. The thing about it is an iPhone will be notified if there is an air tracker, uh, an air tag near it. Um, and then you can identify, you can find it and then just smash it and, and you're done. Um, now, it might be interesting that your iPhone will be pinging everything all over the freaking place. 
but maybe not. Um, I actually haven't looked into this all too much. Um, I've never been requested to do anything involving an AirTag and uh, I haven't really looked into it, but you may be able to turn off the cellular communications and still locate an AirTag that's sitting idle around you too long. That's kind of the purpose of this. If, if your device, if your iPhone or uh, Android phone detects an AirTag for a sustained period of time, it basically says, hey, there's an AirTag following you around. Um, and then you can just locate it. Um, and you can do that with a software-defined radio as well um, because it's always broadcasting a little ping like, hey, I'm right here, hey, I'm right here. So at the distribution events, the Washington DC police will help residents install the air tag in their cars. Not sure where they're gonna end up putting it, um, but regardless of where it is, unless it's in a place that is inaccessible to humans, there will be a way to locate it and remove it. Um, but it's about friction. So if you make it a real pain in the butt to steal a car, then people won't steal cars. Um, or they'll they, go for like the Hyundai's and the Kia's, right? That which have don't have any security. And rather easy to steal. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know what? I think this is also interesting given the location because DC is actually having a rash of carjackings, not just thefts. Yeah. Um, like that they have regular senator. carjackings in the news. Yeah, that senator. So right, maybe this will be a deterrent. a deterrent. I don't know. Yeah. A little bit of friction goes a long way in stopping it. Now, what's going to end up happening is either you get a better mousetrap, somebody brings a jammer, um, or you get the one numb nuts that's entirely without any uh, coping mechanism and has nothing to lose and takes the car by force. You know, technology be damned. So. You're either going to get smarter mice or you're going to get the dumbest mice. And the dumbest mice are the ones that end up being violent. Let's keep going. Today. Uh, yeah. I stopped the transition. The next article is over in the mobile channel. What's the status of the bill to make daylight saving time permanent? Well, apparently a bill to do so hit a brick wall in the house last year despite passing the senate by unanimous consent the bill the sunshine protection act was reintroduced in march by senator marco rubio in the senate and rep Vern buchanan introduced companion legislation in the house so the article here is over at the hill.com tara Suter is the author as the end of daylight saving time looms this year, the U.S. Pro sorry, the U.S. Congress is still hung up on whether to make it permanent. The bill to do so hit that brick wall. The ritual of changing time twice a year is stupid. Locking the clock has overwhelming bipartisan and popular support. This Congress, I hope that we can finally get this done, Rubio said in a statement on the reintroduction. I'm gone are the days where this is actually important. Well, that's what I don't understand. Like, who is really pushing for this to remain in the current setup? Um, it's based on really old information, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
It says in 1966, Congress passed the Uniform Time Act, which made daylight saving time the standard. In late 1973, President Nixon signed an emergency bill turning daylight saving time into law, making it year round as an, a national energy crisis was occurring. This is the late 70s when the oil embargo and oil crises hit. It was designed to try and combat the crisis by cutting demand, but people became worried about children's safety as they went to school in the winter dark. President Gerald Ford signed a bill bringing the U.S. back to standard time for four months of the year in October 1974. Both the House and Senate version of the Sunshine Protection Act of 2023 haven't appeared to go far. The Senate bill has been read twice and referred to a committee while the house bill has only been referred to a subcommittee here's the problem though it isn't like this can just be resolved okay oh look this is dumb we have technology you know whatever led lights have mitigated the whole uh energy national energy crisis even though there are people that it's in incandescent or bust because the led lights are typically on the bluer side not full spectrum um, at any rate, the, this is overcome by technology. Why don't we just allow life to go on as a standard operating procedure as time, you know, one second is one second. We don't sit there and mess around backing things up and pushing things forward and messing with the clocks and whatnot. I think that it's stupid. Time waits for no one. It marches on regardless of how we set the clocks. Just leave it the hell alone. Well, well, we have so many issues based on the changes to the time. Yeah. And I just don't really see the overall gain, particularly given all the modern technology that we have. I mean, how many kids are really going to school on their own, for example, in the morning? Um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, know. I just don't. Because uh, that's one of the reasons cited. If we have a problem with children going to school in the dark or going home in the dark, then maybe we need to fix the time when children are going to school, which is already a problem. <laughs> we've already had exactly. this issue. Um, we've, we've talked about it before. Children don't operate at that early time frame. They need to actually come to school at nine o'clock, not, you know, in... And many of us don't even operate in that nine to five mode anyway for peak performance. Uh, but it, uh, it, we get forced into this box uh, for commercial sake. Um, but the reason I never really got to my point, what, which is the reason why this can't just get voted is because people want to sit there and banter back and forth about what you're going to give me if I agree to your bill. Well, don't do this for you. Do this for the people. Do this for the citizenries. Do this for everybody else. This is probably the most innocuous switch where, you know, greed and control shouldn't be involved in this decision. Just fast track this through and don't sit there and try and get writers and, and people to capitulate to some request. Politics. Let's just keep going. Gotta play catch up. The next article is over in Hometown Daily. The FDA uh, pro uh, proposed a ban on brominated vegetable oil. 
Here's how to tell if it's in your food and why the FDA thinks it thinks it's unsafe to drink. Let me summarize what this is. Brominated vegetable oil allows things to stay in suspension, but they've given it to lab animals and it's messed with their thyroid, causing cancer and other issues with their um, thyroid gland. So the U.S. Food and Drug Administration announced it wants to ban the additive brominated vegetable oil. The product helps stabilize citrus flavor in some sodas and juices, but it can build up in the body. A final decision will be made in the coming year, but other countries have long since banned it. We don't like banning things because there's a profit to be had and it's at your health. So you, dear citizen, need to speak out. Um, and what you don't know will hurt you. It's not something that's somebody else's problem. This is directly your problem, but you have been drinking this for decades and didn't know about it. You know, I certainly didn't know that brominated vegetable oil is carcinogenic essentially. Um, so Jenny McGrath and Maya Falked over at businessinsider.com. I may be pronouncing their last name incorrectly, but until they correct me, I'm only giving it that old Harvard try. I never went to Harvard. Um, let's throw this into chat. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Um, let me Yeah, this one first. Blink. Sorry, folks, if you're in chat or if you're over in YouTube, sorry, I didn't throw this into the chat and the video is going to be kind of blah. Anyway, um, so yeah, we're back at uh, Business Insider, which is the source for this. Food companies have been using the additive BVO, as it's known, since the 20s. The agency concluded that the intended use of BVO in food is no longer considered safe after the results of studies conducted in collaboration with the National Institutes of Health found that potential adverse health effects in humans. Done and done. So in October, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a law prohibiting the sale of food or drink items with BVO and other ingredients like red dye 3 and potassium bromate. So when you're when you buy something that has BVO or red dye three or potassium bromate in some other state, you will see on the label that it is illegal to be sold in California. Now, um, you can make comments, but how can you tell, um, what drinks contain BVO? In the years following it listed BVO as generally recognized as safe. That's in 1958. Over the years, new data showed potential health effects and the FDA removed it from the GRAS list. Um, in the sixties, the agency limited its use as a stabilizer that couldn't exceed the level of 15 parts per million. So if you want to avoid the BVO, um, as a contaminant, you should check the ingredients and in sodas fruit drinks, lemonade, and juices. Basically, BVO um, keeps these various um, materials 
in solution so they don't separate. Um, when used BVO is required to be listed as an ingredient um, on the label as brominated vegetable oil or as the specific oil that has been brominated, like brominated soybean oil. Um, let me see. Hold on a second. I want to find out something. Well, listed one specific brand in there that used to have it, but didn't. And that was almost 10 years ago, which is kind of concerning because if the industry already realized that quite a while ago, why is this just an issue now? Well, I mean, because there's been enough people paying attention to it. So I, I just realized why I know what this is. Uh, brominated means that it's been treated with bromine and bromine is a dark red fuming toxic liquid with a choking irritating smell this stuff is normally encapsulated it, it's it actually is like this heavy reddish orange gas and it actually becomes really lighter or invisible when it's cooled down um, and I've actually watched demonstrations of this. So this stuff is not good. Um, but when it's in small enough point, uh, uh, percentages or, or, or amounts, parts, then it's apparently generally accepted, except that we know that these little toxic bits are always toxic. It's, it's just like energy. It's not created or destroyed it changes and and this the toxicity of this is just smaller and then it builds up in our system and apparently primarily in our thyroid so um, bvo side effects they, they monitored it since the 70s um, and they talk about anecdotal reports of people visiting the hospital with telltale signs of bromine poisoning headache fatigue memory loss problems walking in one 1997 case, doctors determined that the patient had gotten the condition from drinking two to four liters of soda with BVO in it a day. You shouldn't be drinking two to four liters of soda a day anyway. Um, that's not good for you. But apparently, no, they were but sensitive. the only thing that's not disconcerting about that is that's a huge amount of soda intake. But that doesn't tell you that you don't have those same problems at lower levels. What's funny though uh, about this is that I, <laughs> if I would have just scrolled to the rest of the article, it would have talked about bromine. But I was like, wait, 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 I, re I re recognize brominated. Um, I've never worked with it, the material, um, but I have always heard that it's really horrendous stuff. So in 2022, a report published in the journal Food and Chemical Toxicology, the FDA found that BBO may build up in mice thyroids over time. There it goes, uh, becoming toxic. So they could. They conducted these tests with mice, not humans. The agency deemed its results were significant enough to recommend against the use of BVO in food. So there you go, folks. And I, I really wish there wouldn't be a, a, a component of people out there that go, well, you know, you know, it was fine for 70 years. Why or actually 100 years? You know, why now? Come on, man. <laughs> science it's called advanced education in science and technology how do you how can you be that willfully ignorant you know it's just like smoking how can anybody smoke in this day and age you know it's not anecdotal you know even alcohol 
alcohol if you drink too much alcohol it is a poison alcohol is a poison in the bloodstream that is why you become why it has a deleterious effect that's why you end up acting the way you act is because your blood is contaminated and your brain is trying to cope with it your body is trying to cope with it you throw up because you've consumed too much and your body is revolting <laughs> it's a funny turn of phrase but you know it's the same thing with this and same thing with so many other things it's been marketed to us as okay and then you have to claw back cognitive function you know think about it for a minute this stuff is bad for you just like plastic is bad for us yet it's pervasive and trying to undo this is going to be a nightmare for the economy and society well at least we can mandate that this shit gets out of the system so let's keep going though this is your psa for the day i suppose next article is over in hometown daily nasa sent a spaceship rocketing by an asteroid and discovered the space rock has a little baby dancing around it i don't know why they coined the phrase like that that it was a baby dancing around it so there's going to be a render of nasa's lucy spaceship spacecraft um, and images of a binary asteroid system, Dinkanesh, nicknamed Dinky. Let's just go over. A business Insider is the source of this again. Sonam Chef is the author. This is a render. So apparently, this thing has enough gravitational force to have a little satellite floating around it. Pretty neat. Um, the Lucy spacecraft returned images showing that the asteroid Dinkinesh is actually a binary asteroid system, meaning that there are two asteroids orbiting a common center. In this case, the system features asteroids of different sizes, one much smaller than the other. What's interesting though, is that the, that we threw dart at a binary, um, system, uh, a binary asteroid. How many of these are big enough? that they've got little asteroids orbiting around them. And what is going to be the impact if we mess around with these things? Exactly. I didn't even know asteroids could have a binary system. I mean, I've heard of that with stars, for example, until recently when we've been talking, talking about, about some of this, but yeah, pretty interesting, right? Lucy flew by the asteroid system at a speed of 10,000 miles per hour, NASA said. The researchers working on the spacecraft had suspected that Dinkinish might be a binary pair because of the way its brightness changed over time. The images the spacecraft returned confirmed their theory, according to the news release. I love this stuff. We are throwing a bus at, a, a, you know, something that might be a couple of, what, hundred yards in size because uh, they're not all miles long you know so we're we're throwing something at something thousands of miles away at speeds of 10,000 miles per hour with a camera that's supposed to take a picture and send it back out in space and we're doing this using nothing more than math because it's not like you can do fast pivots, you know, oh shit, we're missing the asteroid. Let's, let's change direction real quick. I mean, it's not, you know, a car, it's not a Tesla, you know, there is a Tesla out there though, somewhere in space. 
How stupid. Anyway. Quote, Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, I, I usually do. Um, this is an awesome series of images. Tom Kennedy, a guidance and navigation engineer at Lockheed Martin in Colorado, said in the news release, they indicate that the terminal tracking system worked as intended, even when the universe presented us with a more difficult target than we expected. Yeah, that's amazing. Now I'm waiting for an AI to automatically decide where to go and how to navigate. Can you imagine you just pick the target and it heads there makes all of the course changes amazing. we're probably not own. that far off from that <laughs> yep yeah i'm sure somebody is so uh, one last thing before we move on to the next article it says here quote when lucy was originally selected for flight we planned to fly by seven asteroids with the addition of dinkinish two trojan moons and now this satellite we've turned it up to 11. dun 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 going next article is over in hometown daily i'm refreshing it because our logo has changed just reminding everybody large flying reptile that ruled the sky 100 million years ago found by a lake it's over at newsweek.com um aristos giorgio is the author of this they have a uh, a video here um but it has like people and modern buildings and then these flying whatever like it looks like a pterosaur or whatever oh look it is so pterosaurs and dinosaurs both belong to a larger group known as archosaurs um which are which also count birds and crocodiles as members pterosaurs um are notable for being the first vertebrates or animals with backbones to evolve flight capabilities. Hey, have you ever heard of the dinosaur that had the ability to speak? No. Yeah, it was called a thesaurus. It never shut up. It was always used <laughs> these really elaborate words and stuff. Yeah, nobody liked it. People really, they cheered when the asteroid hit Earth. They're like, yes, please finally wipe us out. Sesquipedalian was, <laughs> it's evolved. It was kind of like a Pokemon. This week, a team of paleontologists announced the discovery of Pterosaur uh, remains from the province of Rio Negro in the Patagonia region of Southern Argentina. I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. You know, I, I always put the in there as emphasis or em emphasis. <laughs> it's probably just pterosaur, but I always say it pterosaur just because it has a P in there. I don't like saying it without the Anyway, the incomplete vertebrae bone described in a journal article published in the magazine of the Argentine Museum of Natural Sciences. That's a very niche <laughs> our, uh, journal. Anyway, it was discovered in rocks from a geological formation that dates back to between 190 million years ago. Remember, the past ramps up to zero, not. 
Right. So nine, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's why it looks weird when it's like a hundred million and ninety million instead of the other way around. Correct. Yeah. You, but you can say a hundred and ninety million years ago, and it's a different time frame than right you know, <laughs> between a hundred and ninety million. Anyway, um, the bones are very fragile. Their preservation has been difficult. Federico Agnolan, one of the authors of the uh, latest study affiliated with the Laboratory of Comparative Anatomy and Vertebrate Evolution, or LASSIV, at the Argentine Museum of Natural Sciences. <sighs> Bernardino Rivadavia, among other institutions, said in a statement to Argentine media. Okay, so for this one quote they threw four extra lines of provenance <laughs> anyway pretty cool um it, but apparently it is a pterosaur or a pterosaur so uh, a flying dinosaur pretty cool um several other it, it's i don't know how to pronounce this as darkid I think is the actual classification of it as darkid um, species have previously been documented in Argentina, such as Aerotitan Sudamericanus, um, which if this is the normal, if this is what I infer from the name, it is a massive flying dinosaur. South American dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also from the province of Rio Negro, but much more recent, living around 70 million years ago, the, the Nato Draken Amaru from the province of Mendoza, which roamed the skies around 85 million years ago. Um, so that's, what is it? Thunder Dragon? I think. I don't know what that means. Or no, wait. Isn't it, th isn't Thanatos? Um, related to like dying, isn't that what that it means? I know what you're thinking of, but I think that's a different word. Hmm. Oh no, no, it's the personification of death. I was mixed up. Yeah. So it's death lizard. I think that's what that is. Thanatos. I mean, that's kind of daunting. Like, if you want a battle name or whatever, death lizard is where it's at. <laughs> I knew Nam de Guerre is Thanatos Draken. That would deter other dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, really. I'm, eh. I'm Death Dragon. Death Lizard, sorry. Yeah, Death Lizard. I think that's what that means. Um, so the creature from the banks of the Ezequiel Ramos Mexia Reservoir, however, dates back even further. So all of this should be fodder for your Anorimo adventures, folks. So let's drop this into the chat and you can check that out at your leisure we have two more articles so let's get into them uh, the next article is over in the greenogram channel you smell your coffee in stereo the brain records and odors spatial information i <laughs> i titled this segment spatial nose awareness come on that's you epic. know it's important to have nose awareness Okay, so I'm gonna warn everybody who might be watching the video, I have to scroll down and we look right down the double barrel of somebody's nose. Not too happy about it myself. Um, yeah, 
talk about nose awareness. Uh, we now know that this person, well, we know exactly the depth of their nose. Scent information from the two nostrils lead to two types of neural activity. I thought that this was like a known, by the way, because when you sniff the air, your next um, action is to turn your head in the perceived direction of where you think the smell is coming from. Now try that. The next time you smell something, pay attention to what you do. Now I'm triggering you into a call to action. You're going to remember this. If you hear my voice, you are going to remember this. You're going to sniff something and you're going to turn your head in the perceived direction, the immediate perceived direction of where you think your brain is telling you, oh, it must be coming from this direction. And I swear this was already unknown. So I was really, I, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta read this article to find out. I haven't read it yet though. So, uh, Saima, uh, Sadiq is the, uh, author of this over at nature.com. I have to scroll fast above this. I don't, I don't even want to, um, when the scent of morning coffee wafts past the nose, the brain encodes, which nostril it enters new research shows integrating information from both nostrils might help us to identify the odor. The results were published today in current biology, the region of the brain called the piriform cortex, which spans the brain's two hemispheres is known to receive and process information about sense. However, Scientists were unsure whether the two sides of the piriform cortex uh, react to smells in unison or independently. Again, I go right back to Big Bang Theory and uh, what's her name? Uh, Amy Farrah Fowler. Amy Farrah Fowler. Uh, because right when I read that, my brain said, Amy Farrah Fowler wants to cut your head open and examine your brain. Um, last one of the episodes that we watched recently she's like singing in the lab while she's like i'm cutting your head open anyway to investigate the question researchers recruited people with epilepsy who were undergoing brain surgery to identify the areas of their brains responsible for their seizure seizures participants were awake for the surgery during which the scientists discovered or delivered sense to one or both nostrils through the tiny tubes that reached roughly one centimeter into each nostril the authors took advantage of electrodes placed in the study participants' brains to take readings of activity in the piriform cortex. By the way, your brain doesn't feel anything. So uh, people freaking out that, uh, oh my gosh, they're like poking and jabbing and all of that kind of stuff. Your brain doesn't have any sensory organs. It only receives the signal and transmits and processes the signals. That's odd. Yeah. Um, so you can sit there and poke and whatever. And in reality, since rarely hit only one nostril, instead they're likely to enter one nostril slightly ahead of the other. The question uh, uh, to ask is, well, can the brain exploit these potential differences? And uh, says Naz Dikakligal. Uh, that's a hell of a name. I don't know how to pronounce it. I hope I'm pronouncing, I'm giving it justice. A neuroscientist at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia and co-author of the study asked this question. So the findings suggest that the brain does make use 
of the different arrival times when an odor was delivered to a single nostril, the side of the brain closest to that nostril reacted first, and a reaction then followed in the opposite side of the brain. There seems to actually be two odor representations corresponding to odor information coming from each nostril. So now I'm really curious about just what that implies. You know, it's an immediate response and then there's one that's cognitively processing what it might be. And I wonder, like, I'm curious, it says it's rare to get to see electrical recordings directly from the human olfactory cortex, says Kevin Bolding, a neuroscientist at Monell Chemical Senses Center in Philadelphia. So now I want to know if they have data that says in the other nostril, is it a close response and then a far response? Or right, is that if it's so close in time can even really notice that as a person? I mean, besides like studying your brain. Oh, I don't know. See, that's really interesting. But I know anecdotally when I smell something, I instantly smell again, but I turn in the direction that I perceive it. Like, what is that? Am I smelling? Is that gas? Is that a fire? Is that, you know? And I would have assumed you'd just face it like directly straight forward, not toward the side, for instance. Yeah, but you you may not receive the data. It may waft in from an angle and you go, what? Like that, right? You follow coffee, the, the smell of coffee, you know, just kind of float down the stairs to get to the kitchen so that you can get your cup of coffee. Yeah, this is pretty fascinating. All right, folks. So we have one more article. What do you think it's going to be about? Um, let's see. It's going to be about a movie. Sure. I don't if know. You write about it and let's get it published. Nope. This is in the Mobile Channel. Climate change is turning swaths of California's mountains into zombie forests. You may not know what that means, but we'll show you a picture and we'll talk about it for a little bit. There's something eerie about this forest in southern Sierra Nevada. Tangles of bony branches obscure the ground. Dead trees stand gray and bristly. An aura of doom. I like saying it like that. An aura of doom hangs over the green conifers that remain. And the source of this is uh, Alex Wigglesworth, which really ruins the that dimension of zombie. That's Come definitely on. a Harry Potter name. Yeah, that's an awesome name, though. God, so many people have some really great names. Marowat. That's not a. It's not really a fascinating name. Ian James, Los Angeles Times, and Alex Wigglesworth. God, it's just such an awesome pen name. If, I mean, obviously it's their real name, but I don't know why sometimes I kind of just really belabor an author's name. It's they're just so awesome. Anyway, the expanse of Sierra National Forest near Shaver Lake is a relic of the climate before global warming. Scientists believe that the conifers won't be able to survive the current conditions. Researchers at Stanford University found a recent study that roughly one fifth of all conifer forests in the Sierra are mismatched with a warmer climate and have become zombie forests. 
the name zombie for us is kind of kitschy. But the author has come to find that it's haunting, says ecologist Avery Hill. Sorry, not the author, um, but an ecologist named Avery Hill who co-wrote the study while pursuing a doctorate at Stanford. So there is a study out there. Um, let me see if it was published up there or if it's published, it says where it's published later. Yeah, well, we'll get to it, I suppose. Uh, Hill combed his way through a thicket one afternoon and paused at a clearing overlooking a valley, its pine-studded slopes dotted with boulders ringed by patches of shrubby chaparral. That's what we think will spread out and eventually cover this whole area. It's going to desertify, I guess. It, uh, you know, all of the green and the trees are dying, turning into zombie forests, which I, I suppose in millions of years is going to be the new equivalent of um, fossilized forests. Oh, right. Like petrified forests. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty sad, right? If it survives, I mean, it would have to get buried. Like apparently everything gets buried. Sorry. In sediment. In, in, yeah. Entire mountains just kind of crumble and then fill in everything that might've been upright. It's weird. Look around Easter Island. Yeah. When these forests burn, uh, in, high severity wildfires or are wiped out by drought, disease, or pests, they will likely be replaced by other types of trees and brush, the scientists said. That could dramatically slash how much carbon the region can store, provide a habitat, habitat for invasive species, and displace plants and animals that call the forest home. Knowing exactly where such changes might take place can help land managers prioritize where to resist the changes and where to accept or even accelerate them. I don't know why you would accelerate what nature is doing naturally. Just leave the shit alone. If it is you know, nature, we haven't learned our lesson from all the things we've messed with. Uh, manipulate, manipulate. As if we know exactly what the long-term ramifications are of doing something as simple as diverting a river with a dam. Wing nuts. Right. Anyway, different types of forests burn in different ways and knowing what will grow here or where uh, could help authorities plan for fires, Hill said. For instance, Chaparral historically supports catastrophic fire on average every 40 to 50 years versus 150 to 200 years for conifer forests. So maybe around communities you'd prefer to have a well-managed conifer forest. Or, you know, don't promote climate change to the point where it's killing off conifer. <laughs> exactly you know maybe we could uh, make some changes and kind of preserve uh, plants and animals but no I, I suppose at this point somebody like this is talking about mitigation and maybe anticipation and like the person that was in that Florida fire or the uh, not Florida it was the Hawaiian fire where they put rocks around the perimeter because they were told that that would save their house and sure shit it saved their house. So right. anyway, Hill agreed, uh, but said the researchers chose to focus primarily on climate because it's the foundational condition that determines whether a tree can grow in a particular space place. Um, quote, that has altered the structure and composition of these forests and made them vulnerable to wildfires, to drought and to warmer temperatures, she said. 
Um, and certainly climate is a huge and important driver in all of this, but that doesn't mean that there aren't levers that we can be pulling that aren't directly associated with carbon reduction to help protect these forests or restore these ecosystems. Yeah, but I think that it's a guessing game. While I might be educated, we don't know what the ramifications are of climate change ultimately, other than it's going to be a lot of pain and suffering. And when we sit there and say, well, we can uh, plant this tree here, it may stop the recovery um, that nature will provide as time goes on. Um, or, you know, like the bit, like we said at the beginning of this, the bigger issue is stop climate change. But you can't have 800 million people in one country actively trying to solve climate change and then billions ever seven and a half billion people everywhere else just throwing everything into the fire and saying yolo because yolo you literally only live once well exactly and what somebody's doing in another location is obviously impacting elsewhere so exactly. unless you believe in reincarnation and then you only live a whole bunch of times till you're done with your karma. Yeah, but then your planet might not be there. Yeah, you come back as an alien somewhere else. All right, enough of that. Let's go back into the party bus and drive back down Main Street. We refresh. Hopefully some really positive uh, news on the front page although things seem really winky hinky Genshin Impact version 4.2 launches on November 8th adding Farina Charlotte and the climax of Fontaine's storyline I haven't played Genshin Impact since I don't know two hours after I tried it <laughs> um hmm all kinds of stuff that's okay though How Attack of the Clone set up Ashoka's, or sorry, Ashoka. I don't know why I always do that. Ashoka's. You're losing your Jedi Star Wars train. card there. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, that's it. I think we've got more than enough articles that we'll be able to present you tomorrow at 6 p.m. All things landing properly. Um. But that's it for today. I hope you all enjoy the show. If you haven't, be sure to follow us here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash hometown. Go over to YouTube, youtube.com slash hometown. Click on the links that are in the show notes for the podcast and for Discord and the Patreon. And just join up and let us know you're there and uh, say hi and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, would really appreciate it. Leave a review over on the podcast, wherever, Apple specifically, um, and I will reread what you write in your review. Whatever it is, as long as it's a five star. If it's one, then you're dead to me. But if it's five, even if it's something negative, I will read it verbatim, as long as it's not bad. like socially unacceptable unless it's really funny and socially unacceptable then i'll say it 
All right. You're going to get some interesting feedback. <laughs> I hope so. It'll be funny. Um, I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com with the new logo. And up above me is the sentient AI that's always looking over hometown. I want to say bye-bye. Good night, hometown citizens. I'm not sure I can make that sound. <laughs> um, we will see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern. Are you done? Yes. Okay. Do you want me tomorrow, to try to say that? I'm sorry? I said, do you want me to try to say that? <laughs> sure. Bye! <laughs> not even close. <laughs>